0: Welcome to the Lectionary Call-In for Tuesday, December 12th of 2023, where laypersons and pastors gather each week at 6.30 a.m. Eastern Time from wherever we may be to discuss the Gospel Lectionary for the coming Sunday, and this Sunday is December 17th. We're working to be faithful to Lectionary Year B. Here's how it works. We prepare independently in advance of the discussion after receiving some formative questions from the week's leader, and then in this podcast we share, question, and challenge each other. And here are the folks joining us in today's discussion.
1: Bill Hall in St. Petersburg, Florida, enjoying
2: the 59-degree weather this morning. Sarah Mickelson
0: in Tampa. I'm Don Upton. I'm in Winston-Salem this morning. Good to have everybody here. And uh, I'll uh, lead off the discussion by reading the scriptures for Sunday. And that's John 1, 6 through 8, and then skipping to verses 19 through 28. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version, and I'll make a note when we shift from verse 8 to verse 19. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests And Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, now they have been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor a prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. And that's the word of the Lord. And uh, I neglected to note the the jump in verses. And uh, verse uh, 8 ends with, he himself is not the light, but he came to testify to the light. And then it jumps to verse 19. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Well, we, as usual, have three questions we're going to work with today. And hopefully uh, they're helpful to you as you prepare for classes or reading through the scripture uh, this week. Uh, the first one uh, is, and, and I believe, uh, Bill, this will come to you, uh, why does the author need to name the forerunner? And why do we also treasure the names of other people in this book, the names of the disciples and the Christ himself?
1: Bill? Uh, yes, uh, good, good question. It set me to... Here, um, I would say uh, we we know already, probably all of us listening in, uh, that John among the four Gospels particularly begins by emphasizing the humanity of the gospel, um, and I think in naming the author and uh, in the, in naming the writer of this gospel is by naming John the Baptist is reminding us of the humanity of the gospel. Also Um, the biblical genealogies in Matthew and Luke connect the scripture narratives to real life human beings and families going back centuries uh, to creation and, and coming forward and, we know that the gospel of John begins in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God in verse 14, the word became flesh and lived among us. Now, Caroline Lewis in this week's working preacher podcast reminds us in the original Greek, uh, the writer could have said anthropos, which means the word became a man instead it used the Greek word sarx Which literally means flesh What what you can touch And what conveys Life within a living Body And another one of my both ends The word Was and the word Is of both ends The word existed from Before creation and the word Is flesh In the person of Jesus Christ And In verse 6, Don, it says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. (laughs) Not some ethereal presence, not some um, imaginary flesh presence, but flesh and blood. And I, I think all the Gospels, but particularly the Gospel of John, says the Word is flesh, and those who embrace the Word and share the Word... Some as, and I, I love the way this begins. The those who share are human beings. Some as much an outlier as was John the Baptist in the first century common era. His strange diet, his strange clothing, his strange locale. I I love that. That and and back to your question, Don. I think John and. Maybe it's hard for us to imagine How shocking this may have been To start with In today's world Such an outlier Out there in this desert This strange human being Is the one who is Preparing the way for Christ So I think that's Part of why it's important That immediately This forerunner is named That's what I got Thank you. How about you, Sarah? What do you think about the name?
2: I wonder if the author is building connection, like a family story full of touch points of family history. Like you know, John. John's the one that was out in the in the wilds preaching, and it's almost as if it's like hearing about you know your your grandfather or your uncle or somebody within the dynamics of your family structure that that can speak or testify to the family and what the family is about so this this connection from the perspective of John writing to a to a congregation after the fact after the whole story has been unfolded is to knit together those touch points or those fact um statements so that the listener goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like how, yes, thank you for bringing that story back to me. So this is John's way of weaving the story together in such a way that we can walk the path with him, the author John, not just the the, the herald of John. Um, it's a reminder of shared faith and shared belief. So it's this early church having this, this opportunity to hear somebody tell the story in such a way that they feel included, that they feel related, and that they feel um, as if this is an inheritance into which or, or a, a legacy into which they are born. Um, yeah, I think the author might be laying out a, the first of a long list of fact statements before the listener so that the listener can reconfirm or can indeed confirm that Jesus is the Messiah. So it's this, it's the, let me tell you a story, and you're going to know the characters of the story. You're going to be related to the characters of the story. You're going to remember them and the stories they told. And so it's just like, let me tell you where you're from and who your family is, this kind of moment. And I think that's the sweetest bit about why we treasure the names of the disciples, why we want to hear the name of the forerunner, because it's like, oh yeah, 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 I remember that. That's cool. So I love this part.
0: Thank you. Yeah, history needs names. I wonder if there's such thing as history without names at all. Even the storytellers have names. You know, we studied history when we were in school, and we usually knew the name of the historian too. So history needs people with names and uh, and I guess that's part of the storytelling area you're talking about. That, uh, is there memory without names? At least is there good recall without people with names? Not, not for me. I need, I need it. They're uh, people prompts. You know, I, you see historical timelines, and there's some that are thematic and geological, but it's usually people names, sometimes very selfish people who want their names marked in history. But, so oh, it requires people for, for uh, memory, people prompts. You know, you give me a person's name, I can kinda of go back in time and kind of situate myself because it's people. Just like there are Jesus prompts now. You know, we're in Advent and every day is filled with the Jesus prompts and he has a name. Uh I also think it's a reminder of awareness while things are happening. John is, you know, this is you know, we're looking at it in the past, but we're looking at it while it's happening. This is happening now. You know, people with names are in it. I was I was in a Uber the other day, and, and a young man was saying, I wonder what it was like, he, he's aging me, you know, he says, what it was like in the mid-90s when everything changed? And I agree with that. You know, the digital revolution was taking place. We didn't even do business the same way. Things really changed. And I said, you know, what was interesting is we knew it was happening. I'm not, there are other parts of my life I look back on going, wow, I wish I knew if I could comprehend what was going on while it was happening, you know, it was like being being present in the time. But, you know, in the, in the mid-90s, uh, we knew, at least the folks I was running with who had names, we knew life was changing. And that was a different way of looking at history. It was unraveling. Uh, I think uh, it's also the name of a reminder that the gospel is about other people. About me. For me, yes, I'm there, one person, but – The gospel is about lots of other people, not groups, not just nations or just carpenters or fisher people or, you know, it's for everybody and they all have names. And here's one person at the center of history that is recognized that reminds us of that. And I think also when you have names, and I see this in history too, you you have literature and history that's about ideas or trends or theories or ideas or famous sayings, you know, this is not a gospel of ideas. You know, John is naming a person. He's making the way straight for a particular person, a human who's God in person, and that person has a name too. So I think, uh, I think those are the things that that have been on my mind as well. Well, let's go get, let's get on to the next question. The next question, and Sarah, this is for you, how are the concepts of, Witness, word witness, uh, and it's used in the scripture we're discussing, and the word prophet, related, witness and prophet, are they related, or, or do you feel like sometimes they're in conflict, especially, especially looking at this passage in John? Sarah, Sarah, what do you think?
2: So, in this passage, the language to testify to the light is used. And I don't know whether it's John's, the author um, of this book, if it, it's the contraption or the convention that, that he uses to tell the story in a court setting, as if this is going to be a decision that the listener is going to make, and that, that John is bringing these words in as um, testimony. Um, So testify to the light is is what prompted me to think about this. And the word witness is a lovely word that works both as a noun and a verb. And those are always interesting words to me that they are doing words as well as a pronouncement or or a statement of who the person pronouncing things is. So a witness seems to be a person who points to the truth of something and, and can give evidence to support that. One might think a witness can only testify to what was seen and experienced, like an eyewitness in a court setting. While a prophet is generally someone who has interacted with God and is being sent to represent God and speak for God. So I see them as related, but I wonder, can a prophet speak to the truth of God and and sharing Uh, excuse me, the prophet can speak to the truth of God and the sharing of that truth in in the act of witnessing. So I'm still thinking about the multitude of witnesses, the heavenly multitude of witnesses. And can somebody be a witness and not a prophet? Can somebody be a prophet and not a witness? And I don't know. Um, John is pointing the way, offering a map to the Christ. A pathway, a sequence of steps a person can use to uncover and discover the the, the incarnate God. Um, so I think that um, in this case, John functions not only as a witness but also as a prophet. So I'm I'm inclined to lean toward related more so than in conflict, um, simply because I think that. You know, whatever the moniker is we put on the person that's speaking toward us from God or about God for us, I think that the the action is something that's um, ordained, and I think it's something that is, um, I, I would say, holy.
0: Thank you.
1: Bill Holm, what are your thoughts? Well, I would be, uh, thank you, Sarah, for those thoughts. I, I would begin by reminding us of what I think we already know. In the common parlance, prophet is thought of as someone who predicts the future. That is not primarily what it means. Part of the message of the prophets was if you don't change, this is going to happen in the future. And echoing, what Sarah has already said A prophet speaks for someone else They are not speaking On their own authority For John the Baptist He made clear that he was not the Messiah The Messiah is Jesus Christ And then in verse 19 it says This is the testimony Given by John And witness is a synonym for that And so I think, Don uh, They are the witness our Prophet are not in conflict Uh, In John's case, he was a prophet and a witness, so they can be one in the same person. And John saw his role as preparing for the one who would follow him, uh, Jesus Christ. And I want to share this quote from the current issue of the Christian Century, an article written by T. Kirk, K-I-R-K, in the December 2023 Christian Century. She writes, John the Baptist reminds me that God loves an outlier, a word I've already used. God does not reserve all narratives in the story of Jesus for those who are socially acceptable to the elite, those with perfect table manners and families who taught them to network. In Jesus' story, blessed are the wacky. John the Baptist story teaches us to love our own avant-garde And to look for what they are ushering in I wonder what we can find to love in the ones who unsettle our norms The ones on the edges of new ideas The ones wandering the wilderness telling us to prepare the way of the Lord In another Uh, article I read and I didn't know where it was or who said it this person said would you really want to invite John the Baptist to your family Christmas dinner (laughs) I I love that emphasis on the whatever word you want to use the quirkiness Uh, I'm repeating what I said with the first question I love it that John begins in such a disorienting The Gospel of John begins by focusing on um, such a strange person who was nevertheless um, the one who helped prepare the way for Christ. Thank you.
0: I I see an overlap, Sarah, too. Uh, I see they're in a relationship, but I, I don't much like prophets. I, I prefer, no thank, no thank you. No thank you. And I, we talked about this last week that or I raised it. You know, there's a lot of people declaring themselves to be prophets around, around my life right now. I can turn on the TV. I can. I mean, there's just a lot of self-proclaimed prophets that believe they speak with authority and can shape history and know the mind of God. And uh, I don't like it much. Uh, you know, I'd ra- no thank you. I'd rather go the other way. Prophets are tough. And you know what even when people speak the truth that they have the authority we uh human beings don't like that very much I'm not denying that they're prophets in the history but you know that's a tough one. And they're connected even though it may be for the present uh you both have defined it in a certain way where there is a link to the eternal and and to the lasting authority of something and and that's tough and meanwhile the witness is in time is sitting in time, uh, and and I like witnesses. Sometimes I don't like what they say, but they speak the truth, that they witness something, like in court. Uh, I like witnesses because they touched it. They felt it. You know, it's kind of like you've got a science book that says, you know, if you do this particular thing and apply heat in a laboratory, uh, the following things will happen. There will be this chemical reaction. Well, that's the authority in the book, but I don't believe it. I have to go in the laboratory, and there will be witnesses, and we're going to write it down in our lab book. So they go together, but I would prefer the witness. Thank you very much. And here's the beauty of the forerunner who has a name and is placed in time. He is sitting in time, this mortal man with a name, that you get the out-of-timeness colliding with, the person at a particular time, on a particular day, and even these little statements, the questions that he's answering are at a particular time, and he has a diaphragm, and he has a breath, and he's uttering things. I like that. I like that witness. And so for me, there's a dominance of the witness that, you know, despite the authority, God gives us this witness to prepare the way for us as we go forward. Well, one more question for today, and uh, let me bring that up. The final one is, uh, for many years, we've dealt with making straight the way of the Lord. And I heard it again at a performance of the Messiah in New York City just last week. Uh, that's that's laid out. Uh, and so what are your thoughts on this trope when it comes to John the Baptist in this Advent season? Bill, can we start with you, please?
1: Uh, yes. Uh, you can hear me, right? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, This set me to doing A good bit of research In the original Hebrew And uh, first of all I will note this I noted last week That the gospel narrative Was that we were looking at Last week was in all four gospels And I offered the opinion That the fact that All four included Is a way of saying This is really important Again this week all four gospels basically tell the same story. I don't see any significant differences in Matthew two, Mark one, Luke three, and John one. You can find, and this this particular quote, Don, is in all four of the gospels. It, as we know, comes from Isaiah chapter forty. Um, Robert Alter, who is a Old Testament Hebrew scholar, that I have great respect for says that a more a, a translation closer to the original would be to translate it as clear a way for the Lord's road level in the desert a highway for our god now I'm not going to debate long and hard over the difference between make straight and clear I think the connotation is the same and we know in verse. Four of uh, Isaiah 40. It says, "Every valley shall be lifted high, and every mountain brought low, and the crooked shall be straight, and the ridges become a valley, and the Lord's glory shall be revealed." And Alter refers to that phrase as a stark formulation, and he adds, "I find this helpful." He adds this possible understanding of Isaiah's imagery. He writes, the poet pondering up the expanse of arid land abounding in ravines and ridges and rough terrain that stretches between Babylonia and Judah imagines a miraculous smoothing out of the ground as a great highway is laid down for the return of the exiles. Um, and the Collins study Bible in a similar way says, Behind this imagery are the roads especially prepared by the Babylonians or the festive processionals of their gods. So uh, a kind of a rich imagery. On the one hand, uh, a place that's very difficult to navigate and it has to be straightened out and level. And then in the Babylonian culture, it, it meant a great uh, parade uh, showing the majesty of, of the leader. Um, In this week's gospel lesson, the Isaiah passage from which John the Baptist quoted was the prophet narrative for last week. Last week in the lectionary was Isaiah 40. And uh, our associate pastor, Nicole Abdenor, preached on that passage last Sunday, reminding us that at this point, uh, chapter 40 in Isaiah, the story moves from the destruction to a promise of of hope um, so that the people eventually traveled from Babylon back to uh, the homeland. So it's a an image, John, of hope and of of making a way forward for people. Um, and this prophet passage for this week in the lectionary is Isaiah 61. The famous, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. I'm bringing good news to the oppressed, binding up the brokenhearted, release to the captives, prisoners, and so forth. Which Jesus quoted as his mission statement. Now, back to the make straight. My mind sometimes goes in strange places. <laughs> it made me wonder, how do I? Make the way to the Lord crooked How do I Become an impediment Years ago And unfortunately I didn't keep it I can't find it There was an article I read in seminary On the phrase The offense of the gospel And the writer Very powerfully insisted That in the Bible The offense of Jesus Christ is because his behavior and teaches, teachings reversed human expectations. Jesus associated with the outcast and the outlaw That's the offense of the gospel. The writer said, often we are the offense because of our theological silos or theological arrogance, and I don't have an answer, Don, for how, I may be needing to be straightened out and not be a crooked place. And I'm really working on that. So I had never really pondered this, Don, so you, you sent me in a whole new direction. Thank you, brother. Well, I, I what you just said, uh,
0: I, I can hear people talking to me. Let's see if I'm on track with what you're laying out. I'm hearing the voices of people going, hey, Stop beating around the bush. Give it to me straight, Don. So, you know, I think the prompts, at least in my life, to stop making things crooked or going in circles, especially when it comes to love, life, service, the Christ, you get to beat around the bush. So I think I, look. I think I just heard those voices like, hey, stop going in circles. Give it to me straight. Let's go. I hear, I hear that. And, and for me, as I went through these, uh, I, I think reading this in the context of all scriptures, because it's just all the way through, gives a sense of distance for me. Uh, generations, hundreds of years. Oh, how long? How long? There's the sense of the arc of time. Oh, make straight, long journeys, long Even in the New Testament, the long journey of a letter from Paul. How long does it take that letter to get to... a Corinth. How long is it a year? <laughs> what about those straight waves? How you know it's like this, but this is different. This is now. It's now it's got a sense of make straight because it's right now. John the Baptist. Now I see him. Now it's happening. Uh, it's a it's a it's abrupt. It's a shock. If you read all the scriptures, it's like you know they're coming over time. Over time, we've said this for generations. We're waiting. It's now. It's right now. Get ready. Get ready. Can you hear him? He's coming. You can hear him. Over the hill. It's coming. Uh, I also was thinking, I went a little negative myself, Bill, on it, because um, I'm thinking about not wanting it straight. Not, not actually it, the, the, my failure in making things crooked. I'm with you on that. But also wanting it crooked. I think human beings... I think the metaphor works so well because we like crooked roads too. And what I mean by that is intruders, kings, conquerors, tax collectors. I mean, it's like uh, I not only want it crooked, I would prefer it to be a path and I don't want them to find me at all. So I think there's a flip side of this we can meditate on, which is I prefer to be in the backwater village. Thank you very much. I'd rather not be found. If you think I'm lost and can't be found, great. Leave me out of it. Leave me out. I like crooked roads. I don't want you to find me. So I, I think that makes this even more powerful because now John's like, it's now. So I think even in Jesus' time, it's like, we don't want any trouble. Okay, sir? <laughs> Just keep on going. No trouble, please. So this road is straight and Here it comes, and it's right now. So I don't want to hear the army coming. I don't want to hear people coming to my door. Go away. Don't knock at my door. You know, Jesus knocks at the door. Go away. I don't even want to anticipate you coming. That bothers me. It gives me a headache. No little apocalypse is welcome at all, which makes this whole reading even more powerful for me. Uh, I also think uh, the the idea of cooking and delay plays in well here because we're in the Old Testament – you know, the, the idea of generations and centuries passing. It's like, okay, I can make a big yawn here, right? Not here. Uh, if a road is crooked, it ain't the, as the crow flies. This isn't just as the crow flies. It's now. I can hear, I can hear who's coming. I, I hear the footfalls. Now, now, now. Uh, and I think uh, it, it avoids any confusion in terms of, it goes back to the name of, the forerunner. He's alive now too. He sees it and he's witnessing what's going on.
2: What about, uh, what about you, sir? What are you thinking about? This is such rich text for me. So into a time when not everyone could enter the temple and approach God because they weren't worthy. They weren't clean. They didn't play by the rules. It, hope is breaking in into a time when the rules must be followed and posture must be appropriate. appropriate. John speaks with light and makes straight the way of the Lord. This is a wonderful metaphor about opening a pathway that's not convoluted to the Lord. Introducing the good news of accessibility, right? There's been gatekeeping. There's been any number of behavioral Steps that people must take before even approaching. So I, I'm, I'm thinking of God reorienting this process and, and steering clear of the plentiful laws about piety and cleanliness straight to the heart of the matter. God wants to know us and wants us to know him. He wants us to lay down the stuff that we would put between us and God. Right, So it might be a facade about who we are, how much money we have, where we go to shop, how we vote, who, where our children attend school, all of those things that are window dressing, if you will, to, to point to our character and point to our trustworthiness and to point to those things that, that our culture might value to say we've earned this position or we are deserving of this adoration or we're suddenly worried about our position. God goes, "No. That's not what this is about." So God invites us to lay down our guilt and lay down our shame that we would hold on to and hold between us and God and prevent us from being up, up to prevent us from declaring the necessary Value God brings to our lives, we are asked to lay that down and and walk straight and confess our helplessness, confess our um, our uh, fragility, our 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 humility, our sense of need, and I think that's part of what this means to make straight the way of the Lord. It's God's coming to us directly. And God wants us to respond authentically. So it's about being vulnerable. It's about being um, in need. It's about being um, desperate and willing to say, I know that place. I'm not going to put other stuff in the pocket and hide behind it. I'm going to say, this is who I am. I think that's the beauty of this is that it is about a direct connection to the divine. And John, the Herald, is calling us to that. And John, the author, is asking us to affirm that.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, boy, I love uh, I love Tuesday mornings. And I know uh, many of our listeners they there, there, It could be a Wednesday night. It could be a Sunday. It could be weeks and weeks later. But uh, it's, it, for me, it's just a great destination for me and uh, kind of the center of my week in a lot of ways to reach this point, you know, the, law, the path the, leading up to this point. And uh, we always like hearing from everybody about, what questions work for you in your classes and as you moderate discussions and as you prepare to look at the Sunday lectionary. So keep up the good work and continue to let us know the ones that work for you, and uh, we'll keep considering how those work on our end as well. Palmacia Presbyterian Church makes this podcast possible. They're at 3501 West San Jose. That's in Tampa, Florida. For more information, you can go to palmacia.org. That's P-A-L-M-A-C-E-I-A. Dot org. We always commend that to you for great sermons, other discussions of the lectionary, disagreements about the lectionary, wonderful music, prayers, opportunities to take communion. So check that out. And you're always welcome. And we will see you next time.